is no question. Our kids will try us at times. There is no such thing as a perfect parent. Donald Winnicott, years ago, pediatrician came out with you know, a term, good enough parent. If you do good enough, that's usually good enough. Hello, you're very welcome to the Parentline Podcast. I'm your host, Kerry McLean. I'm a broadcaster, a Parentline ambassador, and I'm a mum of three. And this is the podcast where we talk all things parenting, both the joys and the challenges along the way, wherever you are on your parenting journey. There's not a soul in the country at the moment, I think, who isn't finding times tough, whether that be coping with everything that came our way and was thrown us over the last few years, or financially as our pockets get squeezed from every direction, it feels like at the moment, or emotionally as we cope with everything that life likes to throw our way generally. And whatever we are going through as parents, you can bet that our kids are experiencing that as well. So how do we start to deal with it all? Well, having or building up your resilience and teaching your young people to do the same certainly helps. And a man who knows all about that is today's guest, Ed Seipler. Ed, thank you so much for joining us. How are you Kerry, today? Thank you. I'm doing well. Fought the traffic to get here, but doing well. That's oh, I see that can be a stressful thing getting through the traffic, but no man better than yourself to cope with that stress that's been thrown your way. Before we get to talking about resilience, our topic for today, Ed, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'd be be happy to. Well, obviously from my accent, I'm not exactly local. I'm a <laughs> blow in, as you like to call us. But I, I came to Northern Ireland in nineteen seventy nine and I saw a lot of need. And my own background growing up as a kid, I, yeah, we had our fair share of problems. My father was alcoholic. My mom had mental health problems. And did that shape me? Yeah, because I was my younger brother's carer. And a couple of things happened, and I got an opportunity to come back to Northern Ireland, started to work for the health service in 1983. So I'm a piece of the furniture now. And it's been a real privilege, a real journey I moved from working with adults with learning disabilities to family, you know, a family center in West Belfast, top of the White Rock, and then uh, in '94 moved to the Southeastern Trust, where I, I work with people with alcohol and drug problems. But then in 2000, they asked me, "Could you do a bit of work to prevent alcohol and drug-related harm?" And that's where my energies go, and I really do believe it has. Yes, it has a lot to do with, with how we self-soothe, and alcohol and drugs is part of that, but it's how we, we cope, how we deal with the pressures that you just talked about, how we help shape our kids to be able to deal with those pressures. They're areas I'm putting a lot of energy into. And the areas that you need a lot of resilience to come through, whether you're helping people or whether you're coming through that yourself. But tell me, what does that word itself mean to you, Ed? Damn, aren't we hearing this word a lot? You're watching sports. Ah, oh, they, they came back. You know, they're really resilient. With, through COVID, we heard it all the time. And we're hearing a lot of kids say, we just, they're sick of hearing the word. And it's been the English language for years. It, it, the, the word itself comes from Latin. It's got a Latin root, zillerate, to jump, to jump back. Um, but what they found, it was really after the Second World War, watching people come out of the concentration camps. How did people go on to live meaningful, productive lives after living with such horror? And then you had other scientists go to areas with a lot of problems, study people over a long period of time. And what is it 
that helps people come out of those situations, not just surviving, but thriving. And even even defining resilience, what does that word actually mean? Now, you hear a lot of people say, it's to jump back, it's to bounce back. But it's it's also, you know, in my, in my thinking, it's not about not having problems, but it's having the resources inside and outside yourself to, to rise above them. doesn't mean you're not affected, but you can rise above them. So the, the research told us quite a lot about what builds resilience. The big question, what we're moving to then is, well, okay, here's the what. How do you do it? Absolutely. If we could answer that, that'd be a very short podcast, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, get me talking about it. I'll give you my ideas. <laughs> I, I do think an individual's idea of what resilience can be uh, is very different if you go from one person to the next. You know, it depends on, on who you're standing next to, really, doesn't it? You know, what yeah. they've been through, what they've experienced, what they've seen. Yeah, and I, I think what you're you're describing is how a lot of people see that. You know, they'll they'll say, "Well, they've had a lot of trauma. They've had a lot." Of, and yes, the event is important. You know, the event will affect us, but it's more than that. It's the experience. You know, how did that person experience it? And then the effect. How, what effect did that did that experience have on that person? And the effect can be mediated. I'll go back to that word by things that build our resilience. And you could say the same, of course, for for children, I guess, you oh, know. Absolutely. Well, that's where it starts. Because how do we shape our kids' feelings about themselves, the world, the, how they relate to each other, how they relate to themselves? And one of the biggest teachers I've had over the, over the years, the best teachers, were my own kids. Now, they might say, Dad, you didn't do the best job. <laughs> I tried. Um, but now my grandkids. Because I've learned from my mistakes. Um, I have two grandchildren. They're twins, eight years old. And, you know, learning what what helps strengthen them, I try to apply. And not just with work, but personally as well. And I, I will say this. Resilience, I don't think, is something we can teach our kids. we got to model it. we, we got to practice what we preach. So I'll talk about that later on. But I think that's really important. And what has, uh, apart from your grandkids, apart from watching them and your own kids and how they've dealt with things, you know, you mentioned there about your own growing up, Ed, you know, and did that influence your thinking on what resilience was? Or was it whenever you were older and you were studying about it? Absolutely. I, I think as I, I got older and I was, you know, studying about it and, you know, and working at it because obviously in my world working with people with alcohol and drug problems, I see a lot of folks struggling. It really made me look at what are the building blocks to resilience and then what's built that in, in my life. And two of the, the building blocks, and this is all research, two of the building blocks are relational. It's having a stable person in your life. And I can really look back even, you know, even to the problems we had in our family. We had a neighbor. She was a rock. And you could lean on her. She taught me stuff. She was brilliant. I still think about it. She passed away a couple of years ago at 90 odd years of age. Um, but the second thing, which is relational, it's, yeah, feeling connected, feeling involved and that you're part of something. And whether it's your family, your community, a, a fellowship, a church, it, you know, that you feel you're making a contribution. And the second two, and this is to me the key for building resilience, you believe in your ability. You believe I can do this. 
Um, you control your destiny. And then the, the final thing, which is what we can learn, you know, how do I manage my thoughts and my feelings and my emotions? Because the way you described, you know, life for people here in Northern Ireland at the start of this, it's a roller coaster. It's been tough. So how do I manage the feelings that that creates? Because those feelings are very normal. Those are big things, but to, to start to tackle in yourself. You know, it can be very hard to be an adult and tackle those things, never mind if you're a, a child, to change yeah. how you're thinking and change an approach. Absolutely. And yeah, it's not easy, but it's doable. And there's so much, you know, right from birth, right on up through as our kids develop. And there's so much evidence about the, the care and the, the strength you know, babies get through infant mental health, through that nurturing and caring and responsive parenting. Kids get older and they start talking back and the ter terrible tantrums and all those behaviors that drive us nuts. It's having strategies in your head to do that. And I got to say right behind that, that's not easy Just stand at the checkout counter in any supermarket and you're going to see all these kids screaming for sweets. and <laughs> So that, to apply this stuff regularly, a key thing for all of us is, well, we got to work on ourselves. We got to practice, you know, the, the self-care for ourselves is as important as the skills we apply. If we're not looking after ourselves and our batteries aren't charged, we're not going to apply these skills. We're going to react and panic. So this is definitely something then that we want to tackle within ourselves, Ed, and we want to improve the lives of our young people by by doing that. So how do we begin? Where do we start from? Ooh, good question. Now I'm going to struggle with an answer. Where do you start? And I, <laughs> I think it depends on each individual. You know, what do you need? I think personally, I think a starting point might just be self-compassion. Now that's a theme that's coming up more in circles in the voluntary sector and in the different health trusts. Now, self-compassion isn't being fluffy. It's not being letting yourself off the hook. It's good, got a good evidence base to support our well-being. But self-compassion really is, well, three parts. How you talk to yourself. You talk to yourself with a, like you would a good friend. So it's not, the, it's not that critical tone, not calling yourself names, not putting yourself down. So, yeah, you really work on how you talk to yourself. The second part, equally important, are common humanity. We all make mistakes. We all have shortcomings. We all make bad decisions. Making a bad decision make, doesn't make you a bad person. makes you human. So you put the big stick down. And the third part, this is how we manage our emotions. We use mindfulness. Now, mindfulness takes a bit of work to get, to, to get used to, but we recognize our feelings. And, and you're getting me thinking about some things parents can, can actively do. But we recognize our feelings. We don't let ourselves run off to the future or wait, dwell in the past. We use mindfulness to ground ourselves in the here and now, non-judgmentally, back to the first one, so we don't beat ourselves up. I think the, the more we, we all work on that, that's oh, a good starting point. You know, second, right behind that, I think this is something I, I try to do. Help your kids make a mistake and be okay about it. Learn from it. Because if you beat yourself up, well, you're not going to learn from it. But if you, mistakes, how, how else does anybody learn anything? By making mistakes. And the final thing that I think we can start with, feelings, are, emotions are normal. It's how do we learn, I think, even naming what we feel. As parents, if we can name what we feel, help our kids put a name on what they feel. 
there's three starting points on your own our feelings. I think that's such a big thing is to talk about feelings and emotions with kids and let them know that that it's okay to be sad and it's okay that that doesn't mean that you are feeling in any way to to be sad or to be emotional and even feeling in itself isn't a bad thing you know like you say you know those are our mm. big conversations to have with kids to talk yeah. about to and not just our kids feelings but ours yeah so if you're going through that's where you can we can model what we do for coping with something to actually talk to our kids and at any age it doesn't matter if they're primary school or teenagers yeah that was tough i'm really sad about that that made me really anxious. Here's how I dealt with it. We're teaching by example. I guess, Ed, one of the big things is to tell kids and to show them through our reactions that things that may seem to be huge, to be really big, don't necessarily have to be something that will still be affecting you in, you know, a day, a week, a month, a year. And that's part of resilience too, isn't it? Yeah. You're you're absolutely right, and it's acknowledging those feelings. You know, you're really sad about this. And I had a time with my granddaughter, or both of them, they're twins, and we were going to a, a play center, and we get there, and it was closed. And one of them in the back of the car burst her heart, crying, really sad. And you know, I acknowledged what she felt. She goes, "This day's ruined." I said, "No, it's not ruined. It's different." It'll be different because we can't go here. But, well, let's think about this. We got a, a car. It's full of diesel. I got money in my wallet. We could choose something else. And her sister piped up in the car seat next to her. Great, you can buy us presents. Um, <laughs> uh, no. But, but, you know, I think there's maybe something behind that. You know, and this is where the more we're looking after ourselves, when we see there, those learning moments, and that's what I'm going to call them, those opportunities where, our kids show their emotions, show some confusion, curiosity. That's an opportunity to ask, well, what's going on there? And if there's an opportunity to put a teaching, and that's what I hope that was a, a learning moment I used with my granddaughter and, and the place that was closed that day. And I, I'm looking for them all the time with those guys. And that's what I've learned, that maybe I was too busy to do that when my own kids were, were young. That's why... I just feel really, really pleased. And maybe that's something for grandparents. You know, you, you get to learn from the way you raise your kids. Okay, what did I do well? What could I do a bit different? We'll be back in just a minute after this short message from the ParentLine team. ParentLine NI is a free confidential service offering advice, support and guidance on any parenting matter. If you would like some support with any of the issues raised in today's podcast or any other parenting issue, Please call the ParentLine team today on free phone 0808 8020 400 or check out our Facebook page for more information. Now, on with the show. I know that it's something that I've had to think about a lot really over the last couple of weeks and months. Our house is a house that's going through exams at the moment, Ed, so we've got results mm. coming out. And I know thousands of other homes are going to be in the same position and trying to... I don't know, be resilient as parents, you know, to, to kind of do that, to hold your child up and to let them think it's okay, whatever comes your way, whatever the results say, whatever the piece of paper is, you know, we can cope with this, is quite a, a tough thing to do, to take on board, you know. Having, sure is. Having, having spent months saying you have to work at this, you have to get your head down, you have to study here, to then go, it's okay, it doesn't matter whatever it says. You know, it's such a contradictory thing that you're saying to them. Yeah, you know, because on one side, if say they don't do well, 
and you're acknowledging their feelings, you know, look, that's frustrating, that's sad, you put a lot of energy, you're acknowledging their feelings, help them talk about it. But maybe right behind that, and this is where being able to, to deal with your emotions comes in, that situation will not last forever. So things don't, things are temporary. And your feelings are temporary. Situations change. Um, <laughs> you're reminding me of my childhood. Uh, when I was 17, my guidance counselor said to me, Ed, what do you want to do? I want to go to university. Oh, no, that wouldn't be good. You'd fail. You're not smart enough. Over time, that changed. I, I learned, had to learn a different way of learning because school didn't really work for me. I wasn't, uh, yeah, I wasn't top of the class by any means. But I had to find other ways to apply myself and and build my strengths. And that's something, yes, we have weaknesses. That's that's maybe one more thing that we think about. How do we recognize our strengths? How do we help our kids recognize their strengths? Doesn't mean brush over the weaknesses, but I'm gonna say this, all the years I've lived in Northern Ireland, we're not particularly good at that here in this country. Recognizing our strengths. It's something we all could use a little bit more of. I think you're 100% correct. I think, you know, it, from the very basic thing of where you say to somebody, oh, you look nice today. And they go, oh, no, not at all. Oh, yeah. It is that, that thing where we are not very good at building ourselves up because we think, I don't know what it is actually, Ed. Do we think that we're going to seem too proud or, or we just are used to being knocked down so we get in there and do it first to ourselves? I don't yeah. know where that comes from. Yeah, and I've asked many, many people. It's a cultural thing. And is it all that different over in England, Scotland, and Wales, or, or down the motorway to Dublin? Nah, maybe, maybe not. Um, but here in particular, because even looking at your sense of humor, your sense of humor has a self-put-down. That's, that's funny. That's humorous. So, yeah, it doesn't mean that's not, that's wrong. But the more we knock ourselves, what are we doing to build ourselves up? It's very true, yeah. very true. And it is exactly the kind of thing where I guess kids do hear us laughing at those jokes, like you say, or giving those responses to people when people are trying to be nice to us and say nice things. And we're like, no, no, not at all, nothing. Yeah. And then that gets internalized at a very deep level, doesn't it? Yeah, a joke with a jag. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You hear that quite a lot. You know, and what I really want to say, you know, the parents listening to this, there is no question. Our kids will try us at times. There is no such thing as a perfect parent. Donald Winnicott, years ago, pediatrician, came out with you know, a term, good enough parent. If you do good enough, that's usually good enough. But I heard another quote years ago that really stuck with me. We show our kids we care by putting thought into what we do. Putting thought into it, yeah, it doesn't mean you always get it right, but you're doing the best you can. So if I could say anything to the parents, put the big stick down, focus on your strengths. And remember a, a, a guy saying this once, and it really struck me. He said, the best thing parents can do, particularly fathers, is teach our kids it's okay to ask for help. And if we, we model that, you know, and talk about the benefits we get, and there is stacks of help. And, you know, I'm not just giving these guys a plug. You got parent line. You know, you can pick up the phone and just talk to someone. That takes a lot of courage. You're not admitting failure. You're just admitting, going back to self-compassion. Look, I'm human. I'm having a, a, a rough patch. Help me through it. You know, I'm going to give my own work a plug. You want to see some of my thoughts on YouTube. There I am. Just type my name in YouTube and yeah, folks can have a look. 
our family support you know, services across all five trusts offer a whole range of things for parents. But I, I really like the, the ability parents can just pick up the phone and say, I'm struggling with this. Or just, just could I just talk about it? And anonymously, you know, you don't have yeah. to give all yeah. your details, you know. There's something great about, because we are, I always think one of our stre strengths here in this part of the world is that we tend to have quite close families and we tend to have that kind of network of support. But sometimes, sometimes that makes it hard actually to put your hand up and go, I'm not coping here. I need a wee bit of help and I need a bit of a direction to be pointed in. And that's where something like Parentline, I think, really comes in, where yeah. you can have that. One person removed from from the situation to talk to. Yeah, you, you touched on you know an added pressure parents have because social media adds just a whole nother dimension where kids are comparing themselves to other people that little bit more. Um, parents are looking at themselves and when you see pictures of everybody happy and smiley and you're not. Well, but I, I I'll keep going back to self compassion. Look, we all have our our struggles. We just don't put them up on Facebook. <laughs> A hundred percent. Listen, I know somebody just between me and you, Ed. I know somebody who does the influencing thing and that's that's her job. That's how she makes her living. I also know that she has told me before where her struggles come away from the camera, but none of that goes up. None of that, you know, is is shown to the world. And I like to tell my older kids, my two teenagers, look, you know, you, you know yourselves what this woman is going through, but you also can see the pictures that she's putting up. So therefore, you know that that's not true. And you know that if she's saying that and it's not quite true, then for other people, it's going to be the same. Everybody that's posting online, you, you don't put up the bad days, you only put up the good days. And I think that's really important to show kids that resilience is something that that you have to work at that isn't automatically there because, yeah. you know, and, and you're not going to necessarily see it in other people because it, it's, you know, behind closed doors where it comes into play. Yeah. And Maybe you're, you're leaning me to think something like I think it's really important to say. Resilience isn't a trait. You know, it's not something people have or don't have. It's a process. And a process means it's it's it can be influenced. And the way I, I like to think about it, where people are like reservoirs. You're, you're born with that reservoir full, and does life either drain that water out of the reservoir or do we look at ways to keep that reservoir, you know, filling? And if you reach out to somebody, there's, sometimes there's somebody there with a hose pipe can fill up that dam a wee bit again for you. <laughs> yeah, even with a smile. And, and you, you know, you, 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 you're you getting me thinking, you know, maybe the one of the worst lot of looking after ourselves are, are us in the health service. You know, we're not particularly, maybe that's why we didn't reach out for help. We're so busy Work, looking after other people, but it's, it's like, and I'd say the same thing for parents. It's it's like that instructions you get on an airplane. You know, the cabin loses pressure, the mask will drop down. We've all heard it. Um, but bring your mask down and breathe normally. If you're with your child, make sure you put your mask on first. Um, it would go against your natural grain because you'd want to help your, your kid first, but no. If you're not able to look after yourself, you're no good to anybody. Ed, I think that's all brilliant info and advice that you've got for us today. But if there are people out there, if they're listening in, where can they go to? Where can they get more support? You know, that's, that's, that's a brilliant question. And the fact that there's a free phone, telephone, you, parent line, pick up the phone. You know, in each trust, there's family support hubs. Yeah, I think sometimes there's, I don't want to say this with any criticism, there's too much information because there is so much help out there. How do you make sense of it? 
the Children Young People Strategic Partnership put a whole ton of resources on that well-being hub that is brilliant for, for kids. And then they put my, my stuff up there too. So I think that the first part, and then if you are, are you know, struggling with your own well-being, mental health, maybe it might be your GP, but it also might be across Northern Ireland, there's a, a series of healthy living alliances that offer you know, a whole range of resources that sometimes people don't know about. So it's getting your head above water and just, just asking other, other people, what's helped you? But sometimes you know, a phone like, like Parentline could be a starting point. No better place to start. Ed, thank you so much for taking the time out to have a chat with us today. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Parentline podcast. If you'd like access to the next episode as soon as it goes live, just click follow wherever you get your podcasts. At Parentline, we love supporting as many parents and carers as possible. So if you've enjoyed this episode, we'd love you to consider sharing it with a friend, colleague or family member. Don't forget, if you would like support or guidance with any parenting issue, we're here for you on 0808 8020 400. Catch you on the next one.